I took a role that really was outside of my value set. I thought I could come into this role and be the voice of the user and help make change and push the company closer to my values. I learned a big lesson that I need to make all decisions through my values framework. The people I work with and the people I report to should be aligned with most of these values. And if not, it's not a fit. Hello, and welcome to Talks with Sarah No Socks, a podcast about failure and how it's leading us to success. Each week, I sit down on Mondays and share my weekly failures with you. And I'm joined on Fridays with a special guest who's sharing their own story of failure and how that's led to their current success. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Talks with Sarah Nozox. This week, I am joined by Danielle. So excited to have Danielle on the podcast. She, by day, is a chief community officer for Burb, but by night, she's been in the community space a pretty long time. She's a builder, a founder, a consultant, writing, doing all of the community things. She has an extensive history in the space with over 15 years of experience working at big names like Etsy, Airbnb, Lyft, BarkBox. And I can't wait to hear her story because she got started selling her own jewelry on Etsy and things just kind of spiraled from there. So thank you so much for joining me today, Danielle. Thank you for having me, Sarah. This is exciting. Yeah, I'm so, so, so excited to have you on the podcast. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Because I know that you've shared your journey before and I gave such a brief intro there, but it's a really fascinating story to tell. So I would love to hear who you are and how you got here. Yes, so you're right. I started as a goldsmith. I was actually working for other jewelers, helping them run their studios, making jewelry for them, and on the side, making pieces for myself. And I bumped into a new marketplace that was online called Etsy for makers and put a necklace up that I had made for myself and thought, maybe I could sell this. And it sold within a few minutes. And right there, I was like, whoa, what, what's happening? Um, so I made a few more and they sold. And then within six months, I was, you know, I quit my jobs working for jewelers and was selling full time on Etsy. And also a bunch of galleries and shops found me through Etsy. And so I was selling, figured out how to sell wholesale. Um, and, you know, it was like, I had jewelry all over my kitchen, my garage, my basement. I was just like making like nobody's business and and running a business um, was really fun and exciting for me, figuring out all the pieces of that. So from there, I started thinking I was living in Detroit. There were a lot of artists and makers in Detroit who had a hard time making a living off what they were doing. And I started bringing people together to say, hey, here's how I did this. Um, Let's do this together. We created craft shows. We shared skills. It was super exciting and fun and organic. And Etsy noticed and actually came to Detroit to visit me and came to one of the shows that we all put together. And um, they asked me to come to New York, to Brooklyn, in this huge empty loft office that we had and be, you know, the 12th employee helping to run community. And uh, what ended up happening was I loved education. So I started to run the side of community that was like, how do we 
move through this journey to transformation together? How does anyone who wants to quit their day job get there with the support of others? Because I knew I didn't have all the answers. Um, so yeah, I ran community education programs at Etsy for six years. Was super exciting, really mission driven, really felt like aligned with my values and my purpose. Um, I, I have been chasing that high since that role um, at Etsy um, was super exciting. And since then, I, I worked, uh, my other passion is animal rescue. So I worked at BarkBox, actually quit tech altogether, was at running an animal rescue and bumped into the BarkBox founders. And we just like shot the shit for about two hours talking about like business models and how you serve and give back to community as you're building a business. Uh, and so they hired me to run social good at BarkBox. And what we did was build products for the animal rescue community, we were donating for quite some time. And then we realized our donations were kind of going into this pit of donations where it was great. It was keeping up the status quo. But how could we actually build technology that would change the way, you know, animal rescue worked and could get that animal into a home faster? So we built a bunch of products around that. And since then, my gosh, I've worked running a bunch of different projects at Airbnb, so tying community and tech together. So how do we sort of scale human connection, which, you know, I mean, scale is a horrible word. We can talk about that. But uh, how do we grow human connection might be a better <laughs> way to frame it. But really, we at Airbnb, they're growing so fast, right? So how do we actually use technology in a way that like sees that this is a community first business? And then at Lyft, I ran the only community program, which was, which was the Driver Advocacy Council. And that sat under the product team. So it was all about who are the leaders in the community across the US and Canada in these driver communities? How do we build a connection with them? How do they build connection with more drivers? And then how do we create really strong feedback loops to deeply understand the driver experience and have that impact the product roadmap? So um, since then, okay, this is a long, windy tale, <laughs> but uh, I met Drew and had he had been talking, uh, this, this guy, Drew Dillon, he's a product uh, genius, and he had been talking about how do we create products for communities, and this is my, my um, obsession right now, is like, how do we build better technology for communities? So he asked me to come on board and do product work, which I had never done before, and I got to dabble in that. Um, but really, when we came to look at a full-time role, I realized I wanted to have a community lens on the whole company. So how do we run marketing through a community lens? How do we run customer service, customer success, product, all of that through a community lens? So I pitched chief community officer. I write about that on my in my newsletter uh, blog. And uh, he, he was like, cool, let's do it. So I've been doing that since, since then, about uh, six or nine months. And now here we are my story. <laughs> Amazing. It's such a fascinating journey to me because <laughs> we, we compacted that into just a few minutes, but that's really 15 years. And I'm sure you didn't start out as a jewelry maker. So you, what did you intend to do kind of with your life before you started making jewelry? Wow. Um, it's so interesting. I always have been an artist and have been a creative person. Uh, I would paint, draw, sculpture, photography. I was in a band. Uh, I was a yoga teacher at one point. I worked at a hotel on the switchboard at one point. I worked in film at one point. So 
I'm always sort of using different mediums, but I feel like I have this set of interests and values and skills that I bring to different mediums. That's sort of how I, I view it. So I don't even know if I will be in tech for the rest of my life. I might use my skills and interests and values in a different um, area. I think it's kind of interesting that tech has lasted so long, actually, because I feel like I'm just sort of like, what can I do next all the time? <laughs> yeah, that resonates so much with me. I, too, have always had a really creative line. And mm-hmm. I kind of reinvented my career multiple times, but the majority of it has been spent in healthcare, just in different veins, and used mm-hmm. all of my kind of creativity as hobbies. So I'm always super excited to sit down and chat with people who have been able to find a way to bring that creativity into their career and just kind of keep reinventing it on a career line. I think the biggest thing that I hear is, like many people, you fell backwards in a community. <laughs> We all just kind of uh, (laughs) seem to fall backwards into this space, (laughs) create what we need. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I think it's so fascinating to me. We're always looking for, you know, a sense of belonging. And I know you've talked about that before that, you know, sometimes we're lonely, especially given technology. So talk to me what that was like when you, you know, started to bring those people together within the Etsy community and then took it on a larger scale. Yeah, I, you know, Carrie Mosa Jones talks about this a lot, that a lot of community builders had childhoods where there wasn't a lot of foundation or connection or community. And that's what I had. We moved a lot. Um, I was a, had a, you know, single mom raising me and only child, right? So I was like, where's my community? I think I always longed for that community. So... Once I became a teenager, I kind of realized, oh, I can create these mini communities, you know, starting clubs, uh, starting zines with people, starting bands. Like, how do I start connecting people together to, to build a community around me? And I actually had moved to Detroit and was there for about six months before I I really felt like I was losing my mind because I Uh, actually didn't learn how to drive until I was 35. So I lived in Detroit without a car. (laughs) And um, that's just doesn't really make for a good uh, experience, right? I'm like biking to the grocery store, you know. Um, So when I found that I was part of this wider maker community in Detroit, um, there were already some people who were building collectives and things like that. But I thought, oh, this this is really interesting building, you know, not only I feel like that this idea of transformation or journey is always as kind of part of the communities I build, like even with a band or a zine, like we were into feminism, how are we spreading, you know, the riot girl gospel, <laughs> everything has like we're trying to transform something. Mm-hmm. So even in, when I started these small, we call them Etsy teams in Detroit, it was all about like, how do we get empowered and empower each other to, you know, make more money and and have a sustainable business that we can live off of. So um, I guess that's the the common thread on the communities that I've built organically. Yeah, I love that. And it was successful. (laughs) Do you have any any successful stories that you could share or any kind of that stick out from your mind from that? I helped start with a few other people a Etsy team called Etsy Metal. 
And they ended up shifting and adopting and someone else took it over. But like this just became an incredibly huge community of makers who worked in metal. And they actually went, spun off of Etsy, became a nonprofit. Um, They have held shows with the Society of North American Goldsmiths and like come together in person to like have these incredible metal shows, like just to see the seed of a community that you built become something so much bigger than what you can ever expect it that I think is so awesome and interesting about communities when you get the right people together that share the right values and interests just how they can go beyond your wildest imagination I mean I talk a lot about this when building community like giving people autonomy to build what they want to build versus you've got to consistently give them CTAs to get them where you imagine they should go it's just so limiting Um, Mm -hmm. and I talk a lot about that to like CEOs, COOs, you know, people who, um, are CMOs, marketing people who want to launch a community. Uh, I know a lot of people like to start with, oh, what, you know, brand outcomes are we meeting? I'm like, man, if you kind of remove the limitation and boundaries around what a program could Mm -hmm. be, it will like spin out beyond your wildest imagination. Yeah. I love that you touched upon that because I do think it's a huge huge issue in the community building space currently, especially with brands building communities and some of these SaaS platforms building communities. It's very, very centric around what can this community do for me? And that's missing the whole point of community. (laughs) Like they already bought into your product. They're you don't need to sell things to them. Let them kind of step forward and see what they can provide for other people. That's the whole point. Such a great example of these folks starting their nonprofit. That's amazing. I need to check that out. I love it. So you mentioned that you've been in tech for quite a while and uh, you're surprised that that stuck around so long. But I love this new uh, chief community officer. We don't see too many of those. I'd love to get your thoughts on kind of what that role is and and how you're working to help maybe define it since you're one of the few that I know. Yeah, I think this comes from like caring about your entire community. So I have talked to some huge brands before who you think really are community first. I will not name names, but when I talk to them, they build programs for the best of their the users who bring them the most, who give them the most. And I just think that's so limiting. Then you're constantly building for that 5% and that 5% is growing in incremental ways. I mean, I have strong values and um, of course I want us to build mission and values driven businesses and community really ties well with that. But also I think it's like good business practice to actually look at the bottom 75% of your users and go, how can we incrementally help them become closer to their goals versus just looking at the best of our users? Um, and that, like, that's where we saw exponential growth at Etsy. We saw co- someone come in, have amazing work, but horrible photos and couldn't sell a thing. And we like paired them with the photography team and got them to like work on how they're presenting themselves. And then they're selling, you know, 50K worth of work a year, right? Where they could have just fallen off. So like building for the your entire user base, that's just like one lens that I think a chief community officer can bring that we deeply care about everyone. And we're building programs and products that help them support each other and get them to move through this, 
you know, user journey together with support. I mean, the other lenses are, you know, how do we do things differently? Like, how do we do marketing differently? How do we do it in a way that's not so extractive on an individual, but is supporting, you know, the entire community and connecting them? I mean, really, I, I even don't have an answer for that. I just have values and my frameworks and, you know, when we do hire a CMO, my job is to make sure that CMO is bought in on, you know, the value of community and understands these frameworks and helps us think through what a better, you know, marketing strategy is that really meets the needs of the entire community and is not so extractive and individualist. Yeah, I, it's such a hot button issue, marketing and community, and they are not the same. And I, <laughs> there's a small subset of us on Twitter who keep <laughs> retweeting that same mantra, but I don't think it can be said enough. And yes. I don't think that message has still been received. Mm-hmm. And the fact that community is different than mm-hmm. marketing is different than social media and that they should all talk to each other, but they should not all be the same person. You can't put Mm -hmm. those responsibilities and expectations all in one individual and expect them to thrive. The same as you can't put those expectations on your community and expect them to thrive. You you have to create opportunities and and give people space. Yes. I, I just, it gets so frustrating to me when I see these communities pop up and the marketing team has taken them over and it's just ambassadors. They're like, oh, well, we just expect you to sell our product and you get mm-hmm. 5% back. And I'm like, that's an ambassador program. <laughs> that's not community. <laughs> so what would you say to some of these yes, brands yes. who are kind of struggling with, you know, the definition of community and how to even start? I share my definition. I mean, first of all, I think they don't know what community is. Um, I think a lot of people think community is fun stuff. We're giving swag. We're holding events. Um, they, they just might not know what it is. I kind of look at it as similar to branding and, you know, what is brand where I think it took us a long time to really understand what brand is and it's really hard to measure brand. But if you look at a company like Airbnb, like brand is so powerful and like I feel that way about community. You know, it's so powerful. It's very hard to measure. We keep trying to figure out how to measure it. Um, But really what we need to do is like continually educate people on like what it is and what it can do. Um, So really what I do is um, be overly confident and tell them that I have a set of frameworks that will help explain community and how to build community. And um, I don't apologize for any of these things. And I don't tell people there's an exact way you can measure it. Um, You know, I tell them community is a web of bonds. You're creating bonds between people and you're continually growing that web of bonds. And if you can get it right, you'll have this like Katamari style, incredible community program where people are bonded to each other, trust each other, help each other grow, help each other through the journey and bring new people in. And it's just like really sticky and increases brand loyalty, um, builds a moat around your company. Like you, you do have to also throw in the things that they are very interested in. Uh, but yeah, I, I really share the frameworks uh, you know, and the definition and just tell them this is what it is. I think more community 
we have a lot of like powerful voices on Twitter. I think all of us have to feel that powerful with like, this is what it is. This is what we're doing. We can measure some things, but really this is about like a buy-in from the top. We believe this is important. This is part of our mission and values. Yeah. It resonates a lot with me. I'm super new to the community space in a formal perspective, but I've been part of communities my entire life and they're just something so near and dear to me and have truly saved me at every point that has been the lowest point. I always had a community behind me that was the web structure that you talk about, right? And these were not online communities. I'm of a certain age. Online was not a thing. You know, so these were local, (laughs) small-knit, close communities, but that's that's what we're trying to recreate online. And I think from a business perspective, they expect that to happen overnight and that all of a sudden, all of these strangers on the internet will just start talking to each other and trust each other. And everybody in today's society is so fast moving and wants these quick, you know, almost instantaneous overnight deliveries and next day and groceries at my door. And they're trying to instill that into community. And that's not how it works. <laughs> These are human beings. You can't force relationships. Yep. You can't force things through. And that's mm-hmm. kind of been the sticking point for me. And I think why I don't speak up enough online because people look at my history and like, oh, but here are you. And I, I just almost want to, you know, push back and say I'm a person. And that's the point. Like, you aren't looking at these communities as living, breathing individuals. Mm-hmm. You're looking at it as a bullet point in the business plan. That's always kind of my go-to. <laughs> like, just because you think this is part of your 10-step business yeah. plan doesn't mean it's going to all work out for you. So I think it's great that you talk about we need to be a bit yeah. more vocal. Yeah. You know, I think we build businesses, and even though if that's a community business, to serve, right? People are giving their hard-earned resources to us because they want us to serve them. Like it's, it, we really are doing, we're serving human beings. And I think I work a lot in tech and I call it the great unflattening, or sorry, the great flattening. And I'm hoping for the great unflattening, but we are like flattening human experience with tech um, and with commerce and business. Um, and so I think, it is a little bit dangerous to go community is going to bring humanity back to your business um, because really your entire business should be about serving humans. Um, But I think it can be sort of like a way in to get people to understand and realize that, Hey, there are human beings behind all these numbers. Yeah. And all these avatars. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. The transactional nature of everything online, especially with the rapid growth that we saw during the pandemic, has really struck me over the last few months. And, you know, you just get a sense that the faster these communities Mm -hmm. are popping up and they have a thousand people right away, that it's just very much like dollars in the bank account and avatars on the screen as opposed to real people behind the conversations and what's actually happening. And it leaves space when you build communities like that for people you probably didn't want in there to be in there. You know, people who don't have good intentions, people who are there just to Mm -hmm. kind of be what I call the takers. And and that's not something that you want in your space. Mm -hmm. How do you go about protecting a community from that? Yeah, I think it goes with slow growth. And, And this is what you've talked about of like people just are not patient enough. So I've started to build my own community of community managers. And I will tell you, it's taken me a year to have a group of 12 people 
that are connected to each other, that trust each other, that are all at the these different levels in different areas that where it works really well for them to meet once a week and be part of a WhatsApp group. That took a year, 12 people, because I really wanted to make sure the right people were connecting with each other. And also I have this certain set of values, I have this lens, and I wanted to be my complete self in this community. And I wanted the people in the community to appreciate that and also feed off that and help, and, and have that help them come to the space as their complete selves. I think now that I have 12, we have like together created rituals. We together have decided what conversations are important in this space. We've worked through guidelines together. Now I think I can go to those 12 and go, okay, I really trust you. Who are the five people you would like to see in this space? And we can start to grow together exponentially. But really, if you move too fast through those stages of creating the initial bonds, creating initial trust, creating initial rituals and rhythms and norms, that's when you start to just attract anyone and everyone who's going to come in, not always with the same values, not always with the same intentions or motivations, and things get wild. Um of course, I'm doing this part-time like a couple hours a week. So this is the, the rate that I wanted to grow at. Um, I mean, that's another conversation of like, what are your limitations? Like how much can you really invest in this? Because I think a lot of people pop up a community and they, they can't be there every day. And then, you know, I fear that people are throwing up these communities. They can't be there every day. They can't nurture them. And then, you know, I guess the, the story could be that community – is more than it like it's not all everyone talks about it's not all it's cracked up like people say it's cracked up to be you know what i mean like then we get a real negative opinion of what community is it actually isn't valuable people don't actually make connections in online communities like you'll start to hear um rhetoric like that i've actually seen it from a few thought leaders in the space (laughs) yeah i i've seen that a lot uh especially with some of the web three communities that have sprung up very quickly and don't have any kind of moderation around it um, or any overwhelming sense of value. Mm-hmm. That is not a blanket statement. There are some that I know are very, very good, healthy communities, but that is the concern, right? As a community builder who's really passionate and does have very deep-rooted values and beliefs that this is such an amazing thing when done well and done purposefully, that some of these people just starting communities one because they thought it was going to be a quick money maker and they could just throw up a slack group or start a circle channel or a discord and people would come and chat uh, or they could sell to them you know all kind of the wrong reasons <laughs> to build community it is starting to come back around to bite mm-hmm. us in the ass as community folks were like, no, no, but we told you all along, you shouldn't be doing those things. And, you know, when I, mm-hmm. when I get consults that ask me about like, how, how do I grow? Why, what should I be doing? What should I be saying? Oh boy, these are big questions you should have answered before you threw up a paywall and said, Hey, come join this space. I, I, there isn't any quick answer. <laughs> I wish I had one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the community space because I do feel like it's in its infancy and yet we've gone too fast because there is a big push to grow things so quickly. Our nervous systems are even trying to keep up with how fast, you know, social media and having all these 
you know, spaces to chat with, uh, to chat with others, uh, was happening. It's I don't true. think our brains are actually caught up to like, uh, all this input that we have constantly. Yeah. I, I find myself, I backed out of quite a few communities I joined initially and really decided, okay, well, I only have, uh, mm-hmm. so much time and what's the proper amount of time. I am not an online chat person at all. I much prefer one-off conversations, small group chats. And now that it's safe in certain parts of the world, wherever you're listening, mm-hmm. here in the States where I'm located, it is safe to gather outside. So I've been defaulting to that. Like I want to see people. Mm. How do you think we make this, this yeah. bridge? How do we bridge this gap? Well, you're hitting on something that's near and dear to my heart, and it's what I call gathering first communities. So this is where the sort of linchpin, the focus of your community is the meetup, the events, the gathering in person, or even online in small groups. That um, that is really what you're centering most of your programming around. And the online space, the async space, you know, the slacks, the discords, the circles, those are, you know, additional conversations that actually can if you you add this gathering first approach your engagement in those spaces is going to increase because people are going to know each other and know think of each other when they go oh i found this link that could be really interesting to share in this subgroup um and i know that because i like talk to this person directly or i heard them speak about something really passionately and i saw the sparkle in their eye right so I'm so excited about things opening back up safely. I feel like we're going to just have this resurgence of meetups and in-person events. And um, man, I just love in-person events. They're so, uh, as an introvert, it's wild, but um, I really get energy from in-person events and just get reinvigorated. And it's just like remembering the the full complex humanity that each of us bring with us, right? That it's really hard to see online. Yeah. I I think that's been the huge disconnect for me and why I joined so many groups online because I was seeking out what I couldn't actually get. And that's the thing I think that a lot of folks who want to focus so heavily on community miss, that they want this nice online space that everybody pays their X number a month and just gets along and things just keep churning, but that's not what community is about. So I'm really excited to watch. This gather first mentality is fantastic. I definitely am all for it. It's kind of how I am. That's why I've been so hesitant to really start my own community or hold a space really for people Mm -hmm. um, to gather because I want it to be in person and I don't know what that looks like yet. So maybe we'll we'll see over the next uh, few months yeah. here how that how that goes. Well, I'll be excited to see what you do with that. Yeah, I I think it's interesting, you know, you talked about that it took you a year to gather 12 people and it's taken me oh gosh, when was Rosie's course? I was thinking about the community before that it was March, I think March, end of March, beginning of April. So, you know, been a long time, and I still am in kind of my discovery phase. So important reminder, I think, to folks that think, oh, just do these things and it's fine and I know the space. Um, Those of us who are community builders (laughs) take a long time to intentionally create space and set up the right kind of space for people to come together. I've been at Burb for six months and we don't have a community. Uh, much to the chagrin of my 
CEO and CTO. Um, actually, they're very understanding, but they're like, where's our community? And I'm like, well, we have a really small pool of beta users. We're not an open platform yet. We, you know, we're not building community first. Like we're not building the community and putting everything into, you know, three people, 40 hours a week into running a community. We're building product um, and we have a small subset of beta users. So we don't have a community yet. And you know what? I'm not apologizing for that because it will come when it's meant to come. I'm not going to push something. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put up events and, and uh, courses. And I we do have a channel in our Slack for our beta users. So there are little initiatives that I'll, I'll run and test to get to know people better. But um, I'm not launching a full-fledged community program until we really deeply understand who we're building for, what we're building, um, and we can build a permanent, safe home for these folks to gather and support each other. So it will happen, but yeah, it's going to take time to deeply understand what that program should be and who should be in it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important for folks who have businesses that are wanting communities to hear that, that a community company <laughs> is waiting to put that front-end community in place because it, it does just take time. Such a through line. Community to me is such a parallel just to life, right? Like we always want mm -hmm. to rush everything. We want to rush our lives and get to the next thing and see the next journey. And, and community is just exactly parallel to that, that you, you want it to be what you hope it to be, but you can't force that. You have to have a plan and set things in place and be very mindful about what you're doing. So I always like to draw those parallels for people too. That I'm like, if you couldn't force this for yourself, you can't force it for other people. Yes. It's just yes. the nature. Because again, it's all human beings. And while we should approach business with humanity, we know mm -hmm. we often don't. I want to uh, pivot a little bit and ask you about getting into the community space. So, you know, I touched just a minute ago that I'm pretty new to the space and you kind of fell backwards into your community role and have evolved your career from there. But if somebody was looking to pivot into community from a former role, what might they do to join the community realm? I would say they should start their own community. And that could be as simple as a meetup. It uh, doesn't have to be like a Slack channel um, or a circle or Mighty Networks. You know, it's you can start a meetup. Uh, I have I know someone who started a meetup and then ended up launching a product for those folks that he gathered and now runs a community fund like where he has gets VCs to give him money to invest in community products. So, um, wow. And that took about uh, two years from start to finish. So <laughs> uh, we need good people in community right now. So get in there and start learning through your own building of community. Uh, of course, there's so many people out there sharing best practices. Um, I love Carrie Melissa Jones, uh, Charles Vogel, Start with the Art of Community, his book, and then Carrie Melissa Jones and Charles Vogel have a book called Building Brand Communities. If you want to get in the brand community space, that's a must read. Um, yeah, gathering people together and showing that you can do that, I think, is, is step one. And then you will naturally, like I naturally found brands that aligned with my interests and my values. And so I think like nearly anyone can do that too. 
Yeah, that's great advice. I think um, for me, coming from a more traditional background, I'd say the other thing I highly recommend is tap into whatever your skill set was in that former role and see how that ties to community. So for me, I always talk about operations. My whole background is very operations focused, and that absolutely translates to community. So on top of you know taking on some of those side community things and learning about the fields, don't be afraid to say you know oh. Actually, I have this whole knowledge base that I can now use in a new light. And I think it's really valuable when we have folks that move from one field to another. We're talking about community here, but in any field you move to, you know, bring that knowledge base with you because it brings a new way to look at things. That is so smart. I love that. I actually have a friend who's a graphic designer, and I always go to them when I have something I need designed around community because they deeply understand community. Um. And so I said to her, I'm like, you need to build a community design studio where it's like, I do graphic design that solves community problems. And I swear to you, you will have more work than you would even imagine. So yeah, I really think you can take sort of any lens and then plus community and be the niche person who does this. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. You got to be comfortable marketing Mm, it then. (laughs) That's the tricky part. But yeah, uh, for sure. Oh, that's great. Man, graphic designers for community. They totally need to do that. We need <laughs> yes. to start this. <laughs> Just decided that they need, right. they need this. We all need this. It'd be great. I'm cons. Well, I have to say, because we all know I do like 80,000 things, and one mm. of them is design. UI design, not necessarily graphic design, but I use Figma all the time for my community stuff. That's kind of my go to because I, cool. I like to play around in there. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's a real need mm-hmm. for this. I like it. (laughs) Well, we talked about a lot of your success, but we all know I always love to chat about failures here. So in this long journey that you've had, what do you think the most impactful failure has been so far and the lesson that it's taught you? I took a role that really was outside of my value set. Um, I thought I could come into this role and be the voice of the user and help make change and push the company closer to my values to care deeply about the user and support them. You know, the company was 5,000 people and I was the solo human that was listening in this way to the user and sharing that with the team. I did end up creating really powerful ways to share. And those were going up the chain to the CEO and the COO and, you know, CMO and CTO. But I was wide, really wide-eyed and thought that I could be the one human to do this. I learned a big lesson that I need to make all decisions through my values framework. In fact, I have it pasted up now at my desk. These are the things that I care about. These are the values that I hold and the people I work with and the people I report to should be aligned with most of these values. And if not, it's not a fit. And trusting that there is a fit for me in the universe where all these things can be aligned and I can do work through this lens is really hard. 
it's really hard when you think there's not a lot of people out here like this. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's it's my work that I have to do right now is like continue to push these values, live them, work through them, say no when I'm getting pushed back on these values. A little cryptic, but that was my biggest failure <laughs> and lesson. <laughs> Yeah, not at all cryptic. I appreciate you so much for sharing. I think that resonates with a lot of people, myself included. I am a very values-driven person. And as I kind of muddle through leaving behind an old corporate identity that did not match my values and becoming a creator, a failed creator, and trying to figure out now how to move into the community space, that's been overwhelming for me doing the same thing. Like These are my values and these are the types of people that I want to work for and I will not budge again. And it does feel lonely. It feels very isolating that you think, oh my gosh, nothing is ever going to match up to this. The people just don't think like mm -hmm. I think, but they yeah. do. It just takes yeah. time. Yeah. A theme, right? Patience, time, trust. Yeah. Very much a theme <laughs> I carry through <laughs> for sure. Oh, what a great lesson. So Burb, talk to me about Burb because I want to hear all about this company and all the exciting things that we're doing with it in the community space. Yeah. So we started thinking, you know, there are not enough tools for community builders. We have a ton of marketing tools. We have tools for big brand communities, you know, these SaaS companies that build tools for community that are, you know, brands are paying $30,000 a month sometimes to, to use these tools. Where Where's the tool set for the community creator and for what we call the knowledge creator? So that creator who is like, man, I'm peddling content on YouTube, but really I have this deep, valuable skill set and knowledge set, and I want to share it with a group of people who really care and who this can really be transformational for them. Or I want to build community for this, this group of people, this niche group of people that I deeply care about and want them to support each other. So where are the tool sets for them? So that's where we started from. We really like have honed in on what we call this knowledge creator. I have a course, I have a community, I'm delivering content, I'm running events. What does that look like? And we realized, wow, they are using a community space, a learning management system, email marketing tools, social media tools, Zapier to connect all of it, uh, Airtable, Notion. It's just like, hey, I mean, how does one person build all of it? Like, get become an expert in all these tools, build all these things, and then connect them, and then try to understand what is working here. So we are a platform where you can start to connect all of these things, connect your community space, connect your learning management systems, connect how you host RSVPs and event attendance, connect content, connect surveys. Um, how do you start to like integrate all those things into one place where we can sort of just make it, first of all, like visualize what's going on, visualize engagement, visualize interconnectivity, visualize growth through the journey. I mean, you, take, you go on one of these learning management platforms and they're not even telling you how many people are completing the course. They won't tell you that because guess what? It's like 2%. So they don't even want to display that data. But we're going to put it to you and say, hey, <laughs> people are actually not meeting the goals that they've set. 
and and we want to help you help them. So we're anyway, we're building all these tools for this knowledge creator and and the community creator as well. So we have a lot of like automations. If you have Circle, you can plug in and uh, send like bulk DMs. So you want to like make sure people respond to a survey. They would get a DM directly from the creator. That's like, hey, I just wanted to make sure you saw this and took the survey, you know, um, or like scheduled welcome messages. Like we're just building all these automations on top of now that you've integrated, you have this dashboard, you see what's going on. Now, what kind of automations do you want to build off of that? I mean, where's the convert kit for community, right? Where's the Hootsuite for community? Not that I think humanity connection can be automated, but there are things we can do to give you more space so that you can provide personalized help to your communities and like think through strategy and like not always be doing ops all the time. Anyway, okay, I'm rambling. So yes, we right. we are not open. I mean, as an ops person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're not uh, completely open yet. We'll, we'll probably be open in a few months, but we have a beta program um, and we work really closely with um, these knowledge creators to like deeply understand their problems. We even build stuff outside of Burb, like, oh, you need a student dashboard? We're going to build that for you just to figure out what what that looks like and, and deeply understand the pain point there. So yeah, we you can apply to be a beta partner with us. We accept a few people a month and then we help them like with their operations and understand engagement, understand growth through the journey and then figure out how we can optimize with them. Uh, we're going to release some like exciting things soon, some free templates for people. Like it's more of our tests, like, Hey, before we build this in the product, let's build a notion template. Let's build an Airtable template, see how people use it, get their feedback and then build the features that they like into the product. So I'm really excited about those. We actually worked with Alina, who I know you're friends with Alina Sarai on these templates and my gosh, she is a magician with notion and Airtable. I'm so excited for people to test these out. Shout out, Elena. Yay. Uh, that's great. Oh, man. It speaks to my little operations soul just because it's true. I mean, I think that's why I I think that's why I, I gravitated towards operations and community so quickly because most creators don't have a, an operational brain just by first nature because they want to create and build these things. And then they create these amazing communities. But yeah, they get bogged down with all the behind the scenes stuff and they have no idea who's participating and who isn't and how do I connect all these things together and their onboarding gets lost because they just don't have the time or energy to connect all these tools. So, oh, I'm excited. I need the sneak peek behind Bird. Yes. <laughs> I'll give you one for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot to be uh, learned from the operational side of anything, but especially in community, we have so much area for growth there. So this will be cool to watch come together. So what's next for you outside of Burb? You're building your little uh, community of community people? Community for Very meta. <laughs> yeah, we are um, launching our next cohort in January. So I mainly have brand community builders in there. I have a few people who have communities that are businesses like um, Sarah from MB. So she has like an online um, community center, really cool concept. Um, and Jane from Future Front Texas, which is, you know, um, a community for entrepreneurs and like change makers in Texas. Um, but everyone outside of that are like community builders at Airbnb, um, Okta, Patreon, um, 
you know, people who have been doing this for a few years and are like deep in it and have a lot of experience and expertise to share, but also, you know, need help. Like even I've been in community for 15 years. I'm trying to launch a community with Burb. I haven't launched a community while I launched this group, but like a brand community in a long time. Like I need help, you know? Um, Yeah. I I think a lot of thought leaders kind of don't realize that they also need help. I do not want to be one of those. I also need help. (laughs) So I get a lot out of this group and we really support each other. So our next, our next, if if you feel like maybe any of your listeners feel like they meet that, that profile of community builder, they can reach out to me and I'll let them know if it's a good fit, but we meet weekly. I just love that group. It's, um, I hold, I like to say that this is a space for like the people who hold space. So I try to make it like, you just have to show up and we really like work through a concept together or read an article together, or even just like one session was just let's co-work together. Cause I kind of felt like everybody was at this place, like panic. I have so much work to do, but I'm showing up to this meetup and I'm like, let's take half an hour to like, just do a few tasks that need to be done in our communities and then come back and talk about what we did. Yeah. Oh, I love that. We need more of that for sure. I think we are like sometimes just rushing around from thing to thing to thing. And we, we need that dedicated 30 minutes of take one thing off your to-do list. Oh, that's great. Good takeaways. All right. So I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Before we close out today, what is one piece of advice? You've given a ton of advice and insight, but what is one piece of advice you would give a community builder who was looking to launch their community? I mean, if you can like remove any shoulds or comparison, remove the tools that you think you you should or want to use or that other people have used, right? Like we often start with like, okay, I'm going to do this on Slack or Luma or Circle. Like remove that stuff. You know, the biggest thing I tell people, I've talked to a bunch of founders and they are like, how do I build my company, you know, and build community at the same time? And I'm really excited that more people are thinking this way. I'm like, get four to five people who you think are ideal people to be in this community on a call together. Just do that, right? Like, just don't worry about structure. Like, don't worry about learning all the concepts. Just get these people together on a Zoom. If you can in person, that's great. In a virtual meeting space, have a little bit of an agenda, have something where we get to know each other, share with them like that you want to build space and community for them. How, you know, what could we do together that we couldn't do alone? And just let the conversation go and like just be there to listen and absorb and and take note, like how are people connecting with each other? What are they, what do they feel comfortable sharing? What are they asking for? Do they want to connect with each other after the meeting? Or maybe they don't. Maybe they see each other in competi- as competitors and, and maybe community would be like way too hard with this group and you need to pivot. But like just getting people together for an hour will show you so much and actually be really energizing. Every founder that I've given that advice to has come back to me like, oh, I have so many ideas. This was amazing. I was so scared to do this. I was so scared to even bring people together, but um, it gave me, you know, the ideas to move forward. So yeah, bring people together. Don't be so precious and scared about it. Yeah. Or you can be scared, but like work through the fear. (laughs) Don't be scared (laughs) is not a great piece of advice. I I get what you mean. I think that's fantastic advice because part of being a founder is wanting to show up. And if you're uncomfortable with gathering four to five people to just show up, that might tell you a lot right there. (laughs) 
Very good advice. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I also say then, don't, you know, don't build community because someone told you you should build community. Build community because you like being in a group and you, you like hosting and, and you like bringing people together and connecting them. If that's It's okay if you're not a natural community builder. I have a friend who's an incredible brand marketer, but very introverted, does not even like to have a dinner party. And a VC told her she should build her company community first. And I looked at her. I'm like, absolutely not. You built like the Casper brand up. Like you are going to go brand first. I'm a community person telling you, do not build community first. You know brand like no one else knows. Put an amazing brand out there and get people on your waiting list. Like I can help you build community later. Do not start there. Yeah, that's super sound advice as well. I very much trying to tell people do not do something because some stranger on the internet told you to do it especially especially (laughs) build a community stop with with just launching that if that's not something that you want to make your full-time job because whether you want it to be or not it will become your full-time job oh man yeah yes (laughs) not great (laughs) oh we could talk about community for uh so much longer (laughs) But I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for coming on today and uh, sharing your journey and, you know, all of the amazing insights you have into community. If folks want to follow along and connect with you for more help, where can they get in touch with you? I am on Twitter, Danielle XO. Uh, I am on Substack, Danielle XO. Burb.co if you want to join our waiting list or apply to be one of our built partners, we call them. Those are the, the best places to find me, I think. I'll be sure to link it all in the show notes so everybody can connect with you. Thank you again, Danielle, for joining me today. And I can't wait to see what happens with Burb and all the fun operational community behind the scenes things to come. And that wraps up this week's show. Thank you to our guest for joining us, sharing your journey, your fails, and lessons along the way. If you want to follow along in between episodes, you can catch me on Twitter at Sarah Nosox. And if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help the podcast. Until next time, bye.